Chapters thirty five and thirty six of Tristram Shandy, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, Gentleman, Volume One, by Lawrence Stern. Chapters thirty five and thirty six. Chapter thirty five. When Dr. Slop entered the back parlour, where my father and Uncle Toby were discoursing upon the nature of women, it was hard to determine whether Dr. Slop's figure or Dr. Slop's presence occasioned more surprise to them. For, as the accident happened so near the house as not to make it worth while for Obadiah to remount him, Obadiah had let him in as he was, unwiped, unappointed, unannealed, with all his stains and blotches on him. He stood like Hamlet's ghost, motionless and speechless, for a full minute and a half at the parlour door, Obadiah still holding his hand, with all the majesty of mud. His hinder parts, upon which he had received his fall, totally besmeared, and in every other part of him, blotched over in such a manner with Obadiah's explosion, that you would have sworn, without mental reservation, that every grain of it had taken effect. Here was a fair opportunity for my uncle Toby to have triumphed over my father in his turn, for no mortal who had beheld Dr. Slop in that pickle could have dissented from so much at least of my uncle Toby's opinion that mayhap his sister might not care to let such a Dr. Slop come so near her, <clears throat> but it was the argumentum ad hominem, and if my uncle Toby was not very expert at it, you may think he might not care to use it. No, the reason was, twas not his nature to insult. Dr. Slop's presence at that time was no less problematical than the mode of it, though it is certain one moment's reflection in my father might have solved it, for he had apprised Dr. Slop but the week before that my mother was at her full reckoning, and as the doctor had heard nothing since, twas natural and very political too in him to have taken a ride to Shandy Hall, as he did, merely to see how matters went on. But my father's mind took unfortunately a wrong turn in the investigation, running, like the hypercritics, altogether upon the ringing of the bell and the rap upon the door, measuring their distance, and keeping his mind so intent upon the operation as to have power to think of nothing else, commonplace infirmity of the greatest mathematicians, working with might and main at the demonstration, and so wasting all their strength upon it, that they have none left in them to draw the corollary to do good with. The ringing of the bell and the rap upon the door struck likewise strong upon the sensorium of my uncle Toby, but it excited a very different train of thoughts. The two irreconcilable pulsations instantly brought Stevinus, the great engineer, along with them into my uncle Toby's mind. What business Stevinus had in this affair is the greatest problem of all. It shall be solved, but not in the next chapter. End of chapter 35 Chapter 36 Writing, when properly managed, as you may be sure I think mine is, is but a different name for conversation. 
as no one who knows what he is about in good company would venture to talk all, so no author who understands the just boundaries of decorum and good breeding would presume to think all. The truest respect which you can pay to the reader's understanding is to halve this matter amicably and leave him something to imagine in his turn as well as yourself. For my own part, I am eternally paying him compliments of this kind, and do all that lies in my power to keep his imagination as busy as my own. Tis his turn now. I have given an ample description of Dr. Slop's sad overthrow, and of his sad appearance in the back parlour. His imagination must now go on with it for a while. Let the reader imagine, then, that Dr. Slop has told his tale, and in what words and with what aggravations his fancy chooses. Let him suppose that Obadiah has told his tale also, and with such rueful looks of affected concern, as he thinks best will contrast the two figures as they stand by each other. Let him imagine that my father has stepped upstairs to see my mother, and, to conclude this work of imagination, let him imagine the doctor washed, rubbed down and condoled, felicitated, got into a pair of Obadiah's pumps, stepping forwards towards the door, upon the very point of entering upon action. Truce, truce, good Dr. Slop, stay thy obstetric hand, return it safe into thy bosom to keep it warm, little dost thou know what obstacles, little dost thou think what hidden causes retard its operation. Hast thou, Dr. Slop, hast thou been entrusted with the secret articles of the solemn treaty which has brought thee into this place? Art thou aware that at this instant a daughter of Lucina is put obstetrically over thy head? Alas, tis too true! Besides, great son of Pilumnus, what canst thou do? Thou hast come forth unarmed, thou hast left thy tirtet, thy new-invented forceps, thy crotchet, thy squirt, and all thy instruments of salvation and deliverance behind thee. By heaven, at this moment they are hanging up in a green baize bag, betwixt thy two pistols, at the bed's head. Ring, call, send Obadiah back upon the coach-horse, to bring them with all speed. Make great haste, Obadiah, quoth my father, and I'll give thee a crown, and quoth my uncle Toby, I'll give him another. End of chapter 36